um, I, I think about in the Thessalonians, uh, Paul says how, how he's heard that the, the word has gone forward and it's spread through the whole world through them because of their example. And um, that, that's an awesome thing when, when God can use the lives of believers uh, to impress the lives of other believers and, and spread the gospel even further. And uh, that's my prayer of what God will do um, today, that he'll, he'll speak to our hearts, who we need to talk to. It may not be going to the nations, but it may be just going to our neighbors, right? Uh, but open your hearts and, and, and your uh, lives to these guys. Um, here you go. Have fun. Thank you. Just one thing, Jeff. Is this the clicker? Good morning, everybody. Y'all looking good. So <laughs> it's good to be back with you all. We love you. We're grateful to be here with you and uh, look forward to sharing a little bit about what's going on with us and uh, what's happening uh, in Clarkston area. And we thank you for your prayers. We thank you for, we know that when we send forth requests or send forth word through Jeff or Dave, that, that you all are taking it serious and that we know you're getting updates also. That's important to us. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. As we start, uh, wanted to let you know, we last talked when we were getting ready to take off and hit the road. Well. One of the things that we saw right off the bat, we knew when we were going to get down there that you're going to hit the ground and things are going to get crazy busy. That's just the nature of the way it goes. And it's so easy to get in a crazy busy situation and then spend a year and think, what have we done the last year? What, what have we done? What have we been doing? So we didn't want to get caught in that. So we purposely said, Lord, what are the things that we know you've led us to be about? Let's, let's document those, let's put those as our focus, and let's make sure that what you've laid on our hearts, we stay focused on. And then if, it, if everything that crosses us doesn't fit in that, if we can't put that in there, then we have to question it. Is that from the Lord, or is that one of those things that just wants to get us busy? Make sense? So what we're sharing with you, we would encourage you to do as a believer, because it helps, it helps us to stay focused as to what he's really called us there to be doing. We identified four categories, four areas in our life that he laid on our hearts, and then he confirmed by providing for us down there. One, of course, was Refugee Sewing Society. You know, Susie's been working there and commuting for, for three years, four now, until we moved it. A total of four years she's worked there. So we knew that was going to be a focus, and that was going to go from part-time to full-time, which was good. Second, I have a job. That's going to be a focus. And it's not just a job. Whatever we're doing as believers, that's our ministry. That's what we're to be about. That's how we're reaching that part of the world. We're there. We know they're not unreached because we're there. So uh, my work was going to be one of it. Another was we're joining the Hollands. We're joining the Hollands and, and starting that church plant there in the house. And, and we've been doing that. And we've been able to exercise leadership roles within that church. And uh, that's flourishing but the other category that we were trusting the Lord for that he confirmed was still the ability to minister to our family 
and to utilize hospitality because we, wa we wanted a, a residence, a place to live that we could actually be hospitable. And that's somebody from the other side of the world to somebody from here or our kids or any. We still wanted ministry involving our family and, and, and family here and, and family that we have yet to meet from wherever. So God confirmed all those things, including providing for our home. It's, it's exactly what he had laid on our hearts. And it's, we never even got in the housing market. It came. Okay? We couldn't compete in that housing market. We won't go into that today. But that's a separate story. Yeah. But um, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my job. Some people have asked, what, what am I doing? That's going to be very brief. Uh, the rest of it's going to be what's important. My job, what I do, I work for a city much like I did here. You know, you don't become a missionary when you get off the plane. You've heard that statement. Pretty much what you're going to be doing is very similar to what you're going to do where you go. And so I work for government. That's what I've known all my life. I work for a city called Lilburn. We're in a metropolitan area of Gwinnett, which is a metropolitan area of Atlanta. We have about a million people in the county, and I have about 14,000 in my city. Uh, very good friends with somebody that knows Joel very well, that a former band leader down there that works with Susie. We talk about you all a lot, so, yeah. But um, I, I'm in charge of about five divisions. I do public works, emergency management, fleet management, parks and recreation, safety and risk management, and all the facilities that they own. So that's enough about that, but that's what I do for a living. So uh, the other areas we're going to dive into, and I'll let Susie take it from here, are some of the, some of the areas in which we've been touching on the hospitality or family, church-related, or RSS. So can you all see the little outline up in the kind of the top right? That's, that's the city of Clarkston. So this is the map. Clarkston is a city with about 14,000 residents. Uh, about 40% are foreign-born. And with refugees from more than 50 countries and more than, more than 60 languages, there's even more people groups than 50. Um, it's been called the most diverse square mile in the United States. And most of y'all have heard us say that. Maybe some don't quite understand that. A lot of people think, oh, there's just a lot of immigrants there. But there is a, there is a difference between immigrants and refugees. So refugees are people who have been forced to flee from where their home country is. And we have talked about that some too, so I'm not gonna get into all of that so much today. I would say, I have so many stories I would like to tell, and Mike said, you have to keep it brief, so I'll try. Um, so I'm just gonna go through slides, and as we get to slides, I'm gonna explain, and then you can kind of mm -hmm. throw in stuff if I forget. Um, so one of the things that we do know as we are working with refugees is that this is nothing new. God has been moving people from the beginning of time. Um, in Acts 17, he confirms that. He says, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And this is the reason why, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So the reason God is moving people is he wants them to know him. And he wants them to seek him. And as 
people are coming from all these countries to America, they're coming from places with um, maybe even no gospel influence. They're coming from unreached people where they've never heard the name of Jesus. Or if they have, they just think he's one of, one of many gods. Or maybe he was just a prophet. Or maybe they've never heard at all. And so we have a huge opportunity because they are coming here with, to a place with the most access to the gospel. Um, this is a photo. Oh, it's squished our photos. I don't know if that's going to. Okay, so this is our church, our part of our church. Actually, I wasn't there that day. Um, that's in the Holland's living room, and that's where we mostly gather is at their house. Um, over the summer, and really the spring and summer and fall, we were outside most of the time. And so we were able to gather in a local park, um, which was amazing. We've actually met um, refugees in those parks and people that I've asked y'all to pray for that I've met there. And we'll talk about that a little more too. You have no idea how everything changes when everything you know is a structured church setting is out the window. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it's this all is always, yeah, you it's go, not always comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been a huge change. That has been a very big change. We've had a lot of changes this year, and that is one of them. But we love our church, and we're grateful to be a part of sharing um, in ministry with the Hollands and other believers that we've met there. Um, this is a photo of Ty getting baptized. So there's the cattle, what do they call that, a cattle? watering trough, livestock. We call it baptismal thing. pool. It's our baptism <laughs> thing. <laughs> so that was Ty. Eric is baptizing Ty, and that is one of the Holland boys, for those that may not know them. That's um, when the temperatures were still warm. We didn't do summer, that in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but we have baptized some in the cold. Yeah, you'll see something interesting in the foreground. You don't typically see a woman with a headscarf in our, in our meetings, do mm -hmm. you? And that is one of the ladies that actually works with me in the Refugee Sewing Society, and when we moved, I was asking a couple of the ladies, I knew they were believers, if they would want to go to church with me because they hadn't been going anywhere for the last over a year because of COVID. And this sweet lady here, her name is Elizabeth, she's from South Sudan, she said, teacher, of course I want to go. I haven't been to church in over a year, and they don't do Zoom stuff. Their, their technology skills are not even as good as mine, so... Um, they, she, they, she's been faithfully coming to church and another woman as well with me. Um, so I go pick them up every week on the church bus. Um, so when we're talking about the different areas that we are trying to stay focused on, you know in your life areas overlap. You don't just have a segmented area, oh, this is only church, this is only work, this is only mm -hmm. ministry or whatever. So this young lady in the photo, her name is Amanda, and she's a missionary getting ready to go to India. And we were connected to her through Chris Petty because mm -hmm. she is going through um, the sending agency SIM where Chris works. And he told us she's coming to Clarkson to get some training. I would love it if y'all could kind of meet her and it would be great. You know, maybe she'll come to your church. Well, she plugged right in. She worked with me with the Refugee Sewing Society as a volunteer. She was there for missionary training, like cultural training, before she left. And she just became a part of our family and our church family. So this was at an Indian restaurant we went to. 
again, opportunity, her second night in town, she's at our dinner table. Yeah, with the Hollands. That's, that's yeah. what we're for. We're, we're still matching up with brothers and sisters that we know that have come out of Poplar Springs and still working with them. And the Petties know when they send them to Clarkston, they're going to link with us and the Hollands, and they're just going to be absorbed right there. So let's bring them in and go. So that's what we're doing. So this is one of the things that I told these ladies. That's It's hard to see, but the first the lady closest is Elizabeth and then Lucy is behind her and those are two of the women that works with us and I told them when I move to Clarkson you're going to come to my home because they would always invite me into their home so we had a tea party this summer and I had them come to my house so that was the first time they had been to my house and when they walked in I said okay here's the table and Lucy and Elizabeth both said oh no we're going to pray first and they, she played, prayed a very long prayer in Arabic, asking the Lord for bless, to bless our home. So it was a very special time with her. That's our dining room. Yeah, that's the dining room. And this is on our back porch. That's just another photo of those two cute ladies. They're like everyone's grandma. They're, they're very special to us. Let me jump here, oh. if you don't mind, real yeah. quick. Remember, we told you we also want to join our family. Well, our family comes down, and you know what we want to share with them? The nations. We want to share the gospel, so we involve our grandkids. It's the same thing of what we're doing. It's, it's just real life. It's what we're doing. So the little girl on the left is Nepali, and her, her family, they're not believers. They don't know. They don't follow Jesus. And so um, when the girls came to visit this summer, I invited Sumima, who works with us, um, to come and let her play with the girls. And they also came back at Christmas time and we did cookies because the girls were down visiting. So it was a really sweet way for our, our family to start building some relationships in our community where we live now. Okay, so I don't know if you can see behind us, but my car is full of food. So over the last, um, Two years, well, since 20, it's all, I don't, I, it's been two years now. Um, after COVID started, we weren't able to start to work with our women, um, like at gr gathering together. And so one of the needs was food in the community. A lot of people were out of work. And um, so the our, our federal government, one of the things that they did provide through the COVID relief packages was food and it was through the local food bank and other and farmers and things like that and so we were able um, along with a lot of other people in Clarkston um, to get food that we could distribute to our family so over the last two years we've distributed I think I wrote it down well over the last year we've distributed like 37 different times over the past year before that it was every week but we would go pick up food sort it and then deliver it to our ladies and as we did that we were able to check on them to see how they're doing to make sure they didn't have any needs physical or whatever and um, pray with them and it was just a really sweet way to connect so yes we do share the gospel and sometimes the bridge to being able to share the gospel is meeting a practical need like food or some of the ladies we would go and visit, one of them in particular, she lives um, in Clarkson. She's from a country called Eritrea, and it's um, near Ethiopia, or right beside Ethiopia. And she's here as a refugee, but her daughter is still in Ethiopia. So what I found out is she has not heard from her daughter. Um, 
and months now because her daughter is in a refugee camp where there's fighting. And so we've had opportunities to pray every week that the Lord would help her to hear from her daughter. Um, Things like that that just show we care and we love. So the girl on the right, her name is Ashley. Okay. You're right. Your left. No. Look. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. She's right. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley came to Clarkson this summer as an intern and was not planning to work with us. The Lord worked that out, though. And um, she's a student from William Carey University in Mississippi. It's a Baptist college. And one of the things that she had to do to graduate was uh, an internship. And her, there was some confusion once she got there, and she wasn't sure where she was going to get plugged in. And then there was confusion with her housing, and so we ended up, we, we didn't think it would be this summer that, that quickly after we had moved, but we're, we talked and we're like, let's, let's offer her, and there was another girl, a place to stay for the summer. And so that was another, um, it was a hospitality opportunity it was a discipleship opportunity to have these two college students in our home and a way for, um, and even a ministry opportunity. Ashley worked with me. She helped me with markets. She traveled with me. She went and visited women in their, in their homes with me and, and was also a part of our church, too. And there's, there's a young woman from this church who we're hoping and we're, we're praying about. She's praying, we think that she's going to be coming for a couple weeks this summer, and that's Elena Bradbury. So she'll also be staying with us and doing some of these same kind of things. We'll do be doing more um, like training in um, evangelism and discipleship and actually going out into the community as well. One of our goals for these folks that come and stay with us, they come in as strangers, and you know everybody's nervous. When, who are these people and where am I staying? And, our goal is that those walls are broken down quick and they become family, they know their family, and they leave as dear family members. And this young lady's family, her other family, they live in Florida, has already been to the house and visited, and we know them now too. So yeah. it's, it's, it's just sweet to watch the relationships happen. This is a young woman from our church. She's actually also um, sent, here, sent to Clarkson from Silverdale. Mm-hmm. Her name is Kirsten, and she... W- went with me to visit O'Napkin family. That was the first time we'd been in their home. And you can see, ministry might be as simple as reading a book to a young child, sitting on the floor and playing with them, um, just talking to them. And, And it helped me also so I could be able to talk to the mom to have someone with me just doing that. And this is that little girl's mom, uh, Malala. She's one of our newest, um, women who I met at the park and I had texted Jeff I think and Dave about this and asked for y'all to be praying because I met her in the park and then I didn't give her my number and I thought I need to go back and see if she's still there and she was and so I gave her my number and I thought well maybe she'll call I don't know but I said I'll I would love like if you would like a friend or someone to help you with English you can call me and she did and so now she's coming she's a part of our ministry her family is still in Afghanistan. Um, she shares a lot with me about what's going on there with her family. It's very bad right now. And um, 
she, her husband worked with the U.S. government in the embassy, so that's how they were able to come to the United States. Um, and this is a group photo of some of our women. This was before COVID when we were actually able to work together, and um, we, had a, we were in a different workspace as well. Um, one of the things that we're looking forward to and hoping for is a bigger space for our women so we can gather together again. Um, we just don't have, we have room for about four ladies right now. And we have people on a waiting list wanting to come. One of the other things we do is celebrate. When one of our women, and that's Elizabeth, the same woman I was telling you about earlier, um, she got her citizenship. That was also before COVID. So we were celebrating with her. She received her citizenship, and she was able to vote for the first time mm -hmm. as a U.S. citizen last year. You football fans in here, that lady on your right, Left, Left, sorry. The other lady <laughs> is the sister of Dan Reeves that just passed away. He was the professional football. That's his, his sister is one of our volunteers that works with Susie. Yeah, very so she's one of our longest volunteers. I think she's been working with the mm -hmm. ministry for probably 11 or 12 years. Mm -hmm. Our ministry is 13 years old. Um, and the other woman, one of our wonderful volunteers, is Mary Wilson, Joel, that that knows you mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um, this is just a sample of a, a market setup that's y'all all know one of the ways that's how we're able to pay our women is to the sale of the products that they make so that was just something that we had set up at a coffee shop in Clarkston the front and yard this is our front yard when we moved there there were some raised beds in the front yard and I was like oh yay I can have a garden but not really a great gardener. So Harriet is one of the women that works with us, and she's from Burundi. And that is what, like, Burundi is an agricultural country. And so she, she actually works in a community garden for growers from Burundi. And Burundi is also a country in East Africa. Um, I didn't know where it was until I looked it up on the map, but it is just south of Rwanda. It's a really tiny country. And when uh, Rwanda was going through the genocide and the civil war there in 94, the same thing was happening in Burundi because they're the same people, the same tribe. And we've talked a lot about different things. Um, we, she has lots of stories too, but um, she's an amazing woman. Well, she came over and she helped me plant my garden. And then one day I said, Harriet, my garden doesn't look good. Can you come, can you come look? She said, okay, come get me. And so the Mongols were actually visiting our home. That's Callie and um, Max. Mm -hmm. And they came outside and helped. So she's like, well, why are you not cleaning the weeds out of your garden? Why are you not watering it? It needs water. <laughs> and so she was out there helping us. And this is Harriet again. Do you recognize Grace Holland? We went one day to take food, and Harriet had food prepared. So she um, said, sit, sit, and eat. So... We were just sitting and talking. I thought you would enjoy seeing Gracie. She's all grown up. Mm -hmm. We've been doing driving lessons. Yes. So, so uh, that's a good opportunity that I said, hey, what's something I can do that it's Saturdays I'm available? So Grace and another young friend of hers that's from Pakistan needed to know how to drive. So here we go. So, yes, Mike's been doing driving lessons. That's his thing. Um, I won't do that. <laughs> But that is a need. So a lot of the Afghan women need help learning to drive. They want to get their driver's license. And 
um, Malali, one of the ladies that works with us, was telling me I need some help. And somebody said, why can't her husband help her? Well, she has four children, little children. So can you imagine trying to learn how to drive with your four kids in the car in the back? No. And so that's one of the things they need is women helping teach these Muslim women how to drive. And if you've been to Clarkson, a lot of people need driving lessons, mm. you would know. They drive crazy. Um, so this is Harriet, and I was interviewing her. We, went to, we were invited to go to Arkansas, to an Arkansas Baptist women's uh, conference, to share about the Refugee Sewing Society. And Harriet was able to share a lot of her, some of her story about living in a refugee camp. She was a refugee for 26 years mm -hmm. in Tanzania before she came to the United States. And so she was able to share about how God um, has, is with her, how she knows God if it wasn't for God, and, and what he has done in her life. She doesn't know where she would be because she's been through such trauma and such terrible things. And she still struggles, but she gives all thanks to God. And so we have been invited to participate in women's events like with Georgia Baptist, with Arkansas Baptist, with Alabama Baptist women's um, groups, and uh, there's, there's one more slide. We did something, something. I can't remember. I'll think of it in a minute. I will go um, right or left, but that's me. Right or left? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, so from that Arkansas Baptist event, these, this young woman on the right, um, she had visited Clarkson before. They're, they're all in college at University of Arkansas at Little Rock, and she's involved in the Baptist Collegiate Ministries there. They all three are, and with international students. And they, she said, I would love to come to Clarkson and bring a couple of our girls to visit. I said, well, if you come, you can stay at our house. And so they came at the beginning of January, the second week of January, and so this was a meal out at an Ethiopian restaurant. But we were able to do some training with them, like I hope to do with Elena and her roommate possibly, and um, teaching them things like how to share your testimony in 30 seconds, how to share the gospel, um, how to um, disciple someone once you've shared the gospel with them, some simple things you can do to disciple people. And so it was really, yes, Okay. There you go. Hey, that's awesome. There you go. Yeah, we were able to go out into one of the apartment complexes that mm -hmm. one of our church members lives in there in Clarkston and knock on doors and talk to people and and it was eye-opening for them because they they work with international students, but international students at colleges typically are wealthy. Their parents have the money that they can send them to the United States to get schooling and um so to go into a, a refugee area and understand what a refugee is was very eye-opening for them. And playing with kids, they, we, they were able to talk to a Muslim woman. They were able to talk to one, one Muslim man was trying to convert them to Islam. Like he gave them a Quran and all kinds of stuff like that. And they're like, well, we'll send some guys back from our church to talk to him. Um, but it was just really, really a neat opportunity. Their last night there, we got together with our other folks that helped Susie do the teaching segments and had a game night. You know, we love game nights and things. And we all got COVID together. Yeah. So 
how we got COVID. We're not <laughs> sure if I had it first or if someone else did, but um, yeah, that was fun. Uh, so we've also hosted other missionaries. We've had the berries come down. So we, this is an invitation for you. We have two, two uh, spare bedrooms, so you're welcome to come and visit. If you want to come and see what Clarkston is about, um, you're welcome to come, Miss Jessie. If you're not afraid to drive on 285, I don't think she is. <laughs> she drives everywhere. Okay. All right. So this is this is a really special family. Um, I met in November. So the girl on the far left is Kirsten. She's also the one who she goes to our church. Um, and then the other three women, the one in the purple headscarf is the mother of the family. Her name is Jamila. And then the two daughters are on the right. And we met them. And this is really cool because y'all have a part in this also. So Malika, the daughter in the back, um, came to the clothes closet where you guys had sent all those donations of clothes and bedding and all the kind of stuff. That's how we first met her. And after meeting her that first time, somebody texted and said, does anybody have time to go visit her? And I said, yeah, I actually do. And so I asked Kirsten if she would go with me, and we went to visit the family. And we have become, I feel like we've become very close, um, and I've come to really know this and, and love this family. Um, they're here without a, a male in the home. Uh, their father died. And... Um, Malika and Sedika are the daughters. Their, their brother was killed by the Taliban for um, helping drive people like U the U.S. Um, and so they went, they, they sold all of their things. They sold things that were their father's and got enough money to pay someone to smuggle them out of the country into Indonesia. And so they lived in Indonesia as refugees. They, they registered with the UN there and for seven years before they came to the US and they came in July, right before all the craziness started happening in Afghanistan. So I met them, she's started, she's shared little bits and pieces, but the first time we went to their house, we asked, do you know anything about the Bible? And she said, yeah, I used to, I used to read one in Indonesia, and we're like, what, really? Like, we were surprised, and she said, yeah. And then um, she said, I had a, I had a, big, a big book, but when I moved, um, I couldn't bring it. I didn't have enough space in my luggage, so I had to give it away, and I gave it to an Iranian woman. And I was like, this is really interesting. And she said, yeah, we used to, we used to um, go to this Chinese lady's house every week and we would read and I said I told Kirsten later I think she might have been going to house church I don't know so the more and the more we've talked she has shared yes she loves Jesus very much she is a Christian she went to a house church at this Chinese woman's apartment and people would come and pastors would come and preach and share and one day we were riding in the car and she said you know the thing you know like at the church you know, when the pastor, when you take a shower and you get wet, I said, what? She said, you know. I said, baptized? She said, yeah. She said, I was going to do that, but then COVID happened, and they had to cancel. I said, do you want to be baptized? And she said, yes. 
And I was like in shock because this is this is a Muslim, like they're from a Muslim background. And um, so we've, we've just gotten to know more and more and more. Well, she actually came to church. I invited her to come to our church. I, and I explained what we do. It's at a house. And she came to church with us a couple weeks ago before we all got COVID. And um, we're hoping next Sunday she'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, so she, um, I don't know what else to say. I'm trying to think. I'm so excited. There's so it, many things it, to say. It's um, amazing to watch. And, yeah. and you're part of this as well. Uh, Afghanistan folks reached by Chinese missionaries in an Indonesian camp. Poplar Springs folks provided goods who have folks on the ground from Ringgold, Georgia, and then we're in their home, and we're watching all this go on, and we're thinking, and tell me God's not moving boundaries in people. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, he's, how many nations, how many people groups, and how many, a Chinese missionary over there? And it, so she told that's me. That's amazing. Yeah, so one amazing. of the things. And this is the woman that I asked y'all to pray for because she was really scared when her daughters went to work. The mother, Jamila. So the reason she was so scared, we found out, was because her daughter's bag, her purse was stolen. Her first day at work here in America was stolen. And her key was in there, her apartment key. And so she said her mom was having bad dreams at night when they would go to work because they were working third shift. They were, she was dreaming and afraid that someone was coming in the apartment to kill her. And um, so Mike and I went and got a, a new lock and we replaced her door lock. And that's another, that's a pra- really practical thing, but it's showing love to this family. And they kept saying, why are you spending your money? I said, this is money that was given by people who love Jesus, who want, and please tell your mom that. Like, because her mom doesn't really understand English, but she does. I said, tell her that. Tell her, people who love Jesus, this is from Jesus. He is the one taking care of you. And so after we we replaced the door knob and lock, like at 10 o'clock at night, we were required to sit and eat dinner. <laughs> Mike's favorite. And you sit pasta. up till 2 in the morning yeah. before you get to sleep and go to work the next day. That's real world. Um, <laughs> You can't just make a 10-minute visit to someone's home. That's it. Not theirs. Um, And so she told, she shared with me, I asked her, why did you decide you didn't want to be Muslim anymore? And she said, because I I was reading in the Quran, and there's so many bad things that I don't believe. There's so many things. Like it tells you, you should kill the infidel. You should do this. She's like, these are not things that I think is right. And at first, I just thought, I'm just going to be a good person. Like, I don't want to be Muslim, but I'm just going to be a good person. And then um, people started sharing with her about Jesus and who Jesus really was. And she said, I knew who Jesus was. Like, they have been taught who Jesus was, but they didn't understand the truth of it. So she became a believer. And we all know this passage in Matthew 28. Um where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. This is all of our, this is his command to all of us. Like, I've had to ask myself, what am I doing to be a part of this? Because we're all commanded to do this, to be obedient to Christ and to, to make disciples and teach them to be obedient, just like he has done. 
So I'm just going to ask y'all, what are you doing? And what is your plan to be obedient to what Christ has called us to do? Um, these are just a couple things. Um, I was going to cover the first yeah. one. Stay ready for ongoing ministry opportunities. Sometimes it really is going to be as simple as, hey, Jeff, hey, Dave, put out the word. We need this. And that won't be forever. There'll be a time period. There'll be an item. We may say, hey, we need a sewing machine. Can y'all take up or donate something to get us a sewing machine for this family? Stay ready. It's all to summarize. Just stay ready yeah. because that's real world ministry. And thank y'all for doing it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, one of the things that I've learned uh, that I didn't know when I first started working with the Sewing Society is I have to raise my support. So, you know, just consider, pray about it, and ask the Lord, would you consider financially supporting my role as um, director of the Sewing Society? And we don't just sew. You saw all the other stuff. You didn't really see me sewing too much in any of these things. Um, and then so join us in prayer as we minister to refugee families. Because we want all these practical things to be a bridge to where we can share the gospel and we can show see, sow seeds of the gospel in their lives and that fruit will grow from it and that we will be faithful to share, that we'll continue to be mm -hmm. faithful to share in Clarkson so that it will go out to all the nations mm -hmm. because we know these families talk every day to their families back in the mm -hmm. other countries and they share mm -hmm. what's happening in their lives. So we just ask you to pray about that also. That's it. And thank y'all for sitting and patiently listening. Okay. Let me turn that one off or put it away. I don't know if anybody needs to stretch break. Not a leave the room break, just a stretch break. If you would be opening your Bibles we're going to pray, but I want everyone ready, if you would, in 2 Timothy. We're going to have several verses we jump back around at, but we'll also have, I don't know if I have to click this or it goes to the next section on its own. But it will help if you, in fact, go to the verses with me. And it'll also help as I ask you a question or two if you actually talk back to me. Now, we have, we have learned, as I said, changing church settings adjusts your faith a lot. So it's nothing for us in church to be standing up talking to a group, but everybody in the group knows, oh, my job is also dialogue back. So I'm used to that. So if I ask you a question and everybody just sits there, that's going to be weird to me. So just sort of answer me back if you would. What, I, what I'm sharing today out of 2 Timothy is, is not just... A certain passage in a way I'm doing a bit of a summary of the book but specific verses that the Lord laid on my heart regarding one we just went through second Timothy there and it they, they were special to me there and special to us as a church but also coming back to popular popular uh, it, it was important that we share uh, these same truths regarding God and his word specifically you'll hear scriptures that mention the gospel the word of truth the word you're going to hear that over and over and over this one ready yep. as we summarize second timothy you'll probably be familiar with some of these verses you know that one right awanas you know that's a common verse 
I'm not going to read all these. These are just merely summarizing and breaking us into 2 Timothy. Some of the more common verses that you'll be familiar with. You've heard these. You've probably heard them applied in a variety of ways. What we're going to start with today is the setting of all those verses that you may have carried into 2 Timothy or that you may have heard from 2 Timothy. So go to this one for just a second. Well, we're going to move through quite a few others. I want to first establish the setting of 2 Timothy, not just carry away the, the verse we may have memorized or, you know, whatever setting we heard that that prior verses in what i want to do is is let's set up as close as i can in a very brief brief few moments what was the real setting of this whole book as i dive into the three points that i want to touch on today the setting was it was about ad 67 and paul is writing to timothy he's writing to timothy in a circumstance where he pretty much knows this is probably going to be one of my last contacts he's getting ready to die this is one of those evidences that he knows he's, he's not going to be with them much longer. For I'm ready. Sorry, let's pray. Let's pray first. Lord, we do thank you for this word. We thank you for this time. And as we dive into this part of what you've given us, we commit to you this word. We ask your help, Holy Spirit, to speak to every one of us of exactly what you want to accomplish for your name's sake. Amen. He's, he's put in this letter these two verses that I pulled out so that you could see what, what his mindset was. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who love his appearing. He knows his time is closing out. And he knows he's finishing it. And if you read all those other verses I shared, or if you read this book and you don't understand that setting and that heart coming from the writer, Paul in this case, then you miss, you, it would just be a verse to memorize. And you miss the, what's really driving it behind it. So he's writing to Timothy who he's planning on turning over this ministry to. If, if you were knowing, and I'm going to pick on a few of you now, if you knew that you had a last letter to write to somebody that was dear to you, would it influence your writing? Think about that. Because it's only when we relate with it that we understand, now I need to read this letter. Now I need to let this sink in. And, and whatever he says next, I need to really hear deep. None of these were preserved by the Lord flippantly. We know that anyway. But to understand what the author is communicating and the importance of what he says in it is powerful. So go to the next one. It's, it's Paul's most severe imprisonment, about A.D. 67. And Paul is trying to fan into flame Timothy's faith. He's trying to make sure that Timothy's going to be ready for taking this walk over, taking this ministry over. So he's, he's fanning into flame, and he, in fact, uses those very words, fan into flame. You might not grasp 
everything that's getting ready to be required of you. But now is not the time to lay down. Okay? Let's go, if we would, to this, this verse, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. This letter was written to Timothy, but you also see this letter was not just written for Timothy. There's a difference in the words. To Timothy, but for who? For Timothy, but many more. Look what this verse tells us. You then, my child, he's talking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We see four generations of people there. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. This is meant for big picture, Timothy. Big picture. So there's three points that we want to carry that context into this next three points. Okay? These are our three points today. One is we're going to be guarding a good deposit. We need to understand he was told Timothy was being told to guard a good deposit. We need to understand the supply style. We need to be presenting ourselves to God. This is an ongoing process, and we're to be preaching the word. Well, let's start with guarding a good deposit. Let's go to this verse, if we would, 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14. 2 Timothy 1, or you can read it on the screen, but I always like to hear pages turning. Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me and in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I wanted to bring out a few facts about this guarding and a good deposit. One is, if you look in that verse, a guarding of this good deposit is to be done jointly with someone. And who is that? Holy Spirit. We're not on our own to guard this good deposit. It's by the one who's dwelling in us that we're to be doing this with. That's our helper who is residing in us. So there's no room for pride here as believers. We were given a helper because we still need to be mindful that we're, we're weak human beings. But we still need to be after guarding a good deposit. We'll go into a good deposit here in just a moment. But this is a dependent guarding. That's the, the way we're supposed to walk this out, guarding a good deposit. We're to be in a dependent condition. So second item I wanted to mention, what does he mean by guarding? Well, he uses a word in guarding that uh, if you matched up a, a picture setting, you would, you would see a military guard. The one I liked the best was the, the picture of shepherds guarding a sheep at night. How serious do shepherds have to guard their sheep at night? Do they lay down and sleep? No. Someone has to be serious about guarding those sheep. Why? There's threats. Absolutely. They've got to be serious about that, and they've got to put them in positions that are going to be safe. So that's the picture when we're talking about guarding a good deposit that we need to carry into the rest of the Word. So whatever this good deposit is, which is where we're going to get to next, that's how we're to be guarding it. We're to be taking it that serious. And we can also know that 
by the Holy Spirit, our helper, we're supposed to be utilizing his help in guarding this good deposit. And that is something that we can be guaranteed God has assigned the Holy Spirit to help us at. We don't have to wonder. It's God's desire of his Holy Spirit to be helping us in that part of our life. Guarantee. Says it right there. So what actually is this good deposit we're to be guarding? It's a divine revelation of God himself that he commits to you. Everything related to him, everything related to the gospel, to, to Jesus Christ, the divine revelation of God himself that he's imparted to you is wrapped up in that good deposit. He's, this is not just something that we could say we agree with. I agree with all the doctrine things, or I agree, I agree and I like that message. It's, it's not just that simple. This is, this is a good deposit he's talking about that is very specific, that you know this deposit is in you. You know this divine revelation has been made known to you. You. There are millions and millions of people around this world this has not happened to yet. This good deposit that we're talking about guarding is everything related to the truth of God. We're not to add to it. We're not to let people add to it. We're not to take away from it or let it be taken away from. We're to, we're to be a knowledgeable filter to protect that truth related to the divine revelation of God. Everything in his word, everything we've been told and revealed, just like Paul is telling Timothy, all this you've seen from me and all this you've heard from me, those are the kind of things you need to be protecting. And, and the word good deposit brings the meaning of beautiful deposit. If God has divinely revealed himself to you, that's a beautiful thing. That is to be determined to, from us as a beautiful thing and not to be thought lightly of. So, this good news details everything in every respect that is truth about God and his gospel is to be guarded by us. We've got to keep in mind, we've got to know in that guarding that this is the very thing. Well, let's say if, we, if I was a shepherd, I'm the very thing that's going to keep the sheep from getting stolen, devoured, or torn apart. This truth this divine revelation of the truth of God himself, that's the very thing I'm to be about guarding. Why? It's because I know good and well, very personal, in a very personal way, that brought me life. He brought me life. And it's only in the guarding of that, keeping it in its attack, intact form, the way it should be kept and handed to somebody else, that it's going to have the same living power. Does that make sense? That's why we guard it. Then he notes regarding the deposit, if you look at another word in there, by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Isn't that an interesting word? Entrusted to you. Well, what does that imply? If something's entrusted to us, if this good deposit is entrusted to us, what does that imply? Well, if it really would depend on the value of something, how much you might think, if I was to entrust with you my, my favorite trusty pocket knife, that'd be saying one level of entrustment, wouldn't it? If I was to entrust to you uh, my favorite car, 
and I don't need it anymore. Here, I'm just going to give you my car. That's the second level of trust that you may think. I'm entrusted with that. Now, if I was to say, I'm going to die, and I'm going to will that you take care of my kids, and you, I'm entrusting my family to you from this point forward. That carries a little different weight than my pocket knife, doesn't it? You get the drift. What I'm going to with entrusted is do we realize what he's entrusted to us, that this is the true divine relation of God, revelation of God, that is salvation and light to all mankind. Do we grasp what has been entrusted to us here in this good deposit? This is mind-boggling. But he has done that to every believer has been given this good deposit, a beautiful deposit. And yes, many men in the world reject that. They don't want anything related to that. That's not the point here. The point is that we understand we've been given a good deposit. Because in a minute, we have to do something with this deposit. In fact, let's just use an example in Matthew 25. I'm not going to go there, but I want you to know the example. Part of the, there's a good picture of that in what we know as the parable of the talents. You've, I'm just going to summarize that. You go with me here. But the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, it talks about three persons that were given talents. One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. The one that was given five did what with it? Absolutely. They did something they were supposed to do with it. The one that was given two did what with it? They did something with it that they were supposed to do with it. And the one that was given one did what with it? Yes. And they made some excuse regarding, I knew, God, that you were this way, and I was afraid, so I did not whatever, right? And we know those are excuses. But what we can carry away with this good deposit and with this parable is the fact that there's something inferred here. It's being entrusted to us regarding a good deposit. And entrusting indicates a trust to do something with this. And it's not to sit on it. It's not to make an excuse because I'm too busy or I don't understand or I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. And it's not to just sit and soak in and enjoy the deposit. It's an entrustment for what he intended and gave it for. Does that make sense? That's what we have to ask. If I will to you my knife, I don't care what you do with it once I give it to you. But if I will to you my kids, do you know what I'm going to ask and I hope that expect that you would take serious about my kids? That's the point. What is his reason for giving it? You, get, you with me? That's all that matters here. It's not just to sit back and enjoy the good deposit. It's you're giving it to me for a reason. Why? We have to ask the why. But for sure, we're to be guarding it. We're to be protecting it because that's what's going to continue to give us life. And anybody else that we deal with should be rubbing up against that good deposit. With this understanding, we learn more about what does he mean by guarding it. He was challenging Timothy, guard the word, guard the gospel, and protect it from anything else infiltrating it. Don't let it be added to, don't let it be taken away from. It is the truth of God. 
We must hold on to that. We must protect it. He was getting warned, and they knew then. Wolves were in their own churches. They were there. They were wanting to take that, the gospel apart left and right and not believe in it. The same challenges that they faced then, we must defend against today. It's no different. People don't really just want to tolerate the gospel. But it is that which has the power to change human beings. We protect it because it is the very word of God by which others will be saved and be sanctified. It's the way in which you and I are going to be made more like Christ. This is the way. It's not by telling, Miss Jesse, it's not by you telling me I don't look like I aged any. Okay? That's nice of you, but it's not the truth. Here's the truth of me. Here's the truth. That's what we need. We guard it closely, not just to hold on to it, but we guard it because it's meant for accurate distribution. Accurate distribution. Not just distribution. Did you notice the, the word I added there? Accurate distribution. If you would, turn with me. I don't have these two on a slide. These two are in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. 18 and 19, and I must move quickly, we're going to get done on time. I'm going to read this, hopefully you're there with me. Look, you see this word entrusting again. You start looking for that word theme, that theme word of entrusting, and you'll see it more than you realize. And here it is again, just one more time, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the what? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep reading. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the, word, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us, and did what? And entrusted to us. Not only did he give us the ministry of reconciliation, he's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation two different aspects of this the ministry of it we're to be involved in the message of it we're to be protecting and guarding it matters it matters what we pass on to the next generation it matters what we teach to our children when you have that nursery it matters what you do in 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 times of awanas and what you're pouring into these it all matters paul wasn't telling timothy at the end I've done my job. Good luck. You're on your own. No. He was handing off that ministry, and he's saying, this is serious. This is being entrusted to you by me and by God. It, it, as I'm sharing today, I'm trusting that he's using words that will be gone again at the end of the afternoon. But you're going to be here ministering in this area. You will be. You're entrusted with this good deposit the ministry of reconciliation, and the message of reconciliation. So you saw the four generations that he's talking about, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. Every believer is meant to be involved in ministry. Every believer is meant to be involved in the message protection and distribution. Not just pastors and ministers, especially talking to people who are going to be ministering, but it's not just that, it's for others.
Next, not only are we to be guarding a good deposit, we're to be presenting ourselves to God. Turn with me or look on the screen if you would, either one, as long as you're with me. Reminding them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. We're to be about presenting ourselves to God. Where does that say that? Let's look. Paul is warning Timothy to avoid these others. Why? Avoid the words, avoid the babble, avoid the, the trouble it's going to bring in the church. And he also uses other terms in before and after this passage that also speak of saying, B, in verse 16, Paul describes vessels that are to be set apart for honorable use as holy, useful to the master, calling from pure hearts. He's not just talking about uh, memorizing a verse or knowing this scripture. and what He's talking about the minister that's going to be involved in the handling of this word also has to be about presenting themselves to God in the right handling of this. Anytime you handle the word of God, I don't mean it pridefully. When I realized a second ago, church, that I had started preaching without asking for his help, stop. Okay? I stopped because I'm going to ask God to ensure what I was taught. When you undertake the word of God, you know it's serious. And you take it serious. All of us should be. Not just somebody standing at a pulpit. You're entrusted with this good news as you leave the doors. You're entrusted with this good news as you're still in the doors, as you speak to one another. You're entrusted with the handling of this word of God with a brother and sister. It's broad. And it's still the powerful word of God, the truth. We're to be presenting this. We're pre presenting ourselves to God on a constant basis to do our best. Everything he's worth describing here is presenting himself as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. And then he talks about holy living, being a useful instrument. Do you know what all that, when that's for? It's not for the long term when one day God's going to say you're approved. It's to make sure that on a daily basis, you're making sure you're approved in the handling of this word and the distribution of this word and the ministering of this word. It's why we're here. It's why we have life. It's for now. It's every day. We're to be making sure that we're rightly. We're, we're not being ashamed. We're being workers. We're, we're working on being approved by making sure we're learning the Word of God. We're growing in the Word of God. We're practicing the Word of God. We're teaching the Word of God. Those are, those are ongoing things. So we're to be about the, the habit of presenting ourselves before God now, knowing we're going to be presented before Him down the road, which we don't know the date of yet, do we? But we do know today. We present ourselves before him every day, knowing that day's coming, as we minister to this, this word. This occurs by us remaining humble, presenting ourselves as his instruments, carefully handling the word. As it does its work in us, it does its work through us. Make sense? That's part of presenting. If I don't present myself to him and let it do his work in me, the product of it going out is going to be affected seriously. So it's an ongoing process. 
We're not to be ashamed. Why do we not be ashamed? By making sure we're not ashamed as we go. That's how we're not going to be ashamed. If somebody determined that they were going to be wealthy, then they don't wait one day and just become wealthy. They're going to take steps to make sure they become wealthy. That makes sense? We're going to know we're not ashamed that day before him because we took steps every day from here to that day, making sure we're not going to be ashamed on a daily basis. It's very real, very practical. So we're growing in our knowledge of this word. We're growing in our understanding of its application one, with one another. We come and we're studying and we're learning and we're getting insight. And we share with one another what we're learning. This has the power to save and to change us for eternity. It has the power to bless a brother and sister who's hurting. To minister to those who are needing it. We must grasp that our time for sharing and pouring out the divine revelation and love of truth of God is why we have the life we're given. It's the now. This is his church, and he wants it in his church. He wants it active. He wants it living. He wants it moving about his people. It's not when it's over and we look back and wish we would have. Not only are we to be guarding a good deposit, presenting ourselves to God, we're to be preaching the word. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. This is that verse. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preaching the word. Many might read that. Some of your versions will have proclaimed the word. That's, that's really where we're going with this. This is to be proclaimed. In the church, first and foremost, we're to be proclaiming this to one another. But also, it has to do with evangelizing. You'll, you'll see in just a few verses later, he says, do the work of an evangelist. Get out there. Go, speak it. And what does all that mean? It's not just for pastors again. The language here is talking about distributing the word, rightly handling it. It's Timothy receiving a charge in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, and by his appearing, preach the word. To preach the word does not mean just to teach others what you think it should say or what you like it saying. That's not the power of the word of God. To preach the word means to preach the power of the word of God. The actual message from the word. What is he literally saying in the context it was written? We take that and then we apply the truth of it. Paul was doing his final prep to hand this off to Timothy. Church leaders, Christians then were needing this word. Church leaders, Christians now are needing this word. Churches are falling apart on every corner out there. They're crumbling. Numbers dwindle down in churches and people panic. They think, what's happening with the church? Nothing's happening with the church. God's still accomplishing everything he said he's going to accomplish. We don't need to be short-sighted and think the church is falling apart. No, the church will dwindle down. Who's trusting and believing the word of God in the church? He will be guaranteed to be doing that. And he's wanting us to make sure we're, we're utilizing the good deposit within us, the truth in the gospel, and relying on every word he says. Every word he says. 
That's what we live by. We don't live by circumstances. Things were bad then. They're getting ready to kill Paul. And we get discouraged because the church attendance drops. Folks, the living God's not stopping. He's going to be about what he says he's going to be about. And he will complete where he's going. He wants us holding on and trusting him, taking him at his word. We need to be handling this rightly. These instructions don't apply just to pastors. Look, the definition is of preaching here is to be a herald. You, can, you and I can be a herald. We speak a truth to one another. We're heralding it. We speak truth to somebody out. We're heralding it. We publish or proclaim it. We announce a message publicly and with conviction. That's the key. Do we believe it? If we believe that word of God, there's going to be some, con some conviction behind it. Much like if I entrusted you and willed you my kids to take care of, Sonny. If I willed you my kids to take care of, I trust that you would take that serious. Very serious with conviction that you, know my, you knew my heart and you knew what I would be wanting and you would be about taking care of my kids. That's what he's asking us to have. The conviction about what we say we believe about him. What we say we say this word of God is. We don't need to just agree with it. We need to live according to it. That shows we agree with it. To literally take it at his word. The idea of a formal setting where somebody's just standing behind a pulpit and just preaching, you don't see that here. You don't see a pulpit. You don't see a formal setting. You also don't see a, a certain type of speech presented like it's just, just preaching or just teaching or just conversation. You know why? Because he's, when he's saying it, He's saying it's every form of proclaiming it. Every form includes pulpit preaching, but it's every form of pro proclaiming it. Every speaking and communication that we have related to that gospel is involved in this. Every form of it. This fits the usage in these other passages. You'll remember these. We won't turn to them. I just put them up here. And pro he's sending out the 12 disciples. And proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, 7. 24, 14, he uses the same similar word purpose. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed or preached throughout the whole word as a test world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. In Matthew 26, 13. This is the woman that poured the perfume on Jesus. And a lot of people complain because of the money. Truly, I say to you, who, wherever the gospel is proclaimed or preached in the whole world, what she has done alone will be told in memory of her. Same thing. Preach the word. Proclaim the word. As, it, as that happens, those are references he's talking about. As we're carrying this out, as Timothy was to carry that out, we're to carry that out, it's part of what he's already doing. We're to have... We have a limited time on this earth, brothers and sisters. We have a limited time. What are we going to do with the deposit, the beautiful deposit that's been entrusted to us? What are we going to do? What we may not have done up to this point, may or may not have done, is past now. But what about today? What are we going to do with our entrusted good deposit? I say, my commitment is, Lord, I want to grow in this more at a faster rate 
the rest of my days than I ever have the days before. I'll be 59, 60 this year. I forgot how old I am. I'm getting old. I want to grow at a faster and more increased rate the remaining days I have left than the days I've had prior. I don't want to be content with how I've walked up to this point. I don't want to. I don't want to be content. Paul was telling Timothy, fan the flame, Timothy. It's on you. And church, my encouragement to you today is, it's on us. It's on us what's going to happen with this gospel. We know our command in Matthew. We know our command. We know we're to be involved in it. And now personally, every one of us needs to understand the truth of the fact that we've been given a very, very beautiful and meaningful beyond earthly price deposit. Well beyond anything on earth, all things combined, we cannot put a value on, the, on what this good deposit brings. It will matter for eternity what we do with it. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you. We, we really don't know how to express enough thanks, God, for what you've entrusted to us and the entirety of the gospel and all that you've given us in Christ. They're not human words to express that. Lord, would you, would you weigh that truth of who you are and what you've entrusted to us upon our hearts? And would you allow it to change the remaining days that we have life and breath on this earth? Would you give us focus? Would you give us clarity? Would you give us exactly what we need to be about and help us to structure our lives accordingly? Have your way and will in this church and each and every one of us, Lord, as your people all around the globe, Lord. Move among your church. Move among your people. Help us to fix our eyes on you. And we give you the thanks. In Jesus' name. Stand and join me as we give glory to the one who deserves it. <clears throat> Thanks, brother. <clears throat> to 